0: No, Mr. Green. Communism is just a red herring. Like all members of the oldest profession, I'm a capitalist.
1: Hello, and welcome to Mueller, she wrote. I am the host, formerly known as AG. You can call me Allison Gill. You know I used to crush the Hatch Act, although we've had two representatives put forth a new bill in Congress to try to give the Hatch Act some teeth, which would be great. Well, I no longer work for the federal government, so it doesn't correct or you know impact me at all but we do have a lot of Mueller and muller adjacent news today including some sabotage and of course the fantasy indictment league Uh, i am in dc as we speak so if you have any sound interference or if you hear any echo it's because i'm on the road but thanks to everyone who came out to the patron meet and greet friday night at old ebbets and sunday brunch it's going to be awesome. And a special thanks to our special guests who joined us for brunch on Sunday. Uh, it's just $36 for an entire year of ad free episodes, access to the meetups, happy hour Zoom calls, uh, social media, Discord, our private groups. Anyway, um, tomorrow, Monday, at 5 p.m., Andrew Torres and I will be recording a live episode of Cleanup on Aisle 45. Um, So we will have special guest Glenn Kirshner with us. You can come watch live if you're a patron of the show. You can sign up for as little as $1 per episode at patreon.com slash aisle45pod location details are posted on the patreon pages i love you all so much it's been so good to see you i know i push the patreon a lot but seriously it's the coolest group of supportive badass mofos and your contributions help us pay outrageously high wages and give health care to the folks on our network team so thank you all right holy majoli what a news week let's jump in with just the facts All right. Let's start with Michael Avenatti, a federal judge in Southern California, declared a mistrial on Tuesday in a fraud case against him, giving the brash former lawyer for Stormy Daniels a rare victory as he fights his conviction and sentence in another criminal case. And awaits trial in a third. (laughs) The judge here, though, James Selna of the U.S. District Court in Santa Ana, found that federal prosecutors had withheld from Mr. Avenatti's defense team financial data they had collected as part of their case, accusing him of stealing millions of dollars from five clients and lying repeatedly about his business and income. Mr. Avenatti had contended that the accounting and tax preparation data from his law firm servers was exculpatory evidence that could clear him of the charges. He asked Judge Selna in August 15th in a motion to dismiss the charge or grant him a new trial. The judge set a tentative new trial date for October 12th. Quote, I think today is obviously a good day for me personally, but it's also a good day for every individual in this country who is charged with a crime and faces the power and resources of the government. That's what Mr. Avenatti said in a phone interview on Tuesday. Every American citizen deserves basic fundamental due process. Whatever, white guy. Um, And really, this is just prolonging the inevitable. I don't think the data that they found was that exculpatory. Just that it existed is what gives him a new trial. A spokesman for the U.S. Attorney's Office in Los Angeles declined to comment, citing the continuing proceedings, which is good. That's what you're supposed to do. The website Law.com earlier reported the mistrial, which, uh, as the testimony in the fraud case, was entering its sixth week. They were six weeks into this trial. Quote, I find that prejudice occurred here in a number of ways, says Judge Selna. Uh, In July, a federal judge in Manhattan sentenced Avenatti to two and a half years in prison and three years of supervised release after he was convicted in February 2020 of trying to extort more than 20 million from Nike. So he's still on the hook for that. And he's got a third trial pending. And this one is just being delayed. Well, retried, I should say. Mr. Avenatti spent several months last year in a Metropolitan Correctional Center in lower Manhattan after the judge sided with prosecutors and ordered he be held without bail. He, he was temporarily released from jail in April 2020 because of the COVID pandemic. During the extortion trial, prosecutors said that Avenatti threatened to reveal how employees in Nike's grassroots basketball division had paid athletes to attend certain colleges unless the company hired him to conduct an internal investigation. His silence also could have been bought, prosecutors said, if Nike paid him $22.5 million to resolve the potential claims of a youth basketball coach whom Avenatti said he represented. Mr. Avenatti, who'd been scheduled to report to federal prison by September 15th, is appealing his conviction and sentencing in the extortion case for Nike. It's one of several criminal entanglements facing the publicity-minded lawyer, who now just has to focus all his energy on not going to prison. And in another criminal case in which he awaits trial, Avenatti's been accused of stealing $300,000 in proceeds from a book written by Stormy Daniels. He maintains his innocence in that case as well. In California, federal prosecutors in the fraud case said that Avenatti had lied about his business income, not just to his clients, but also to the IRS, a collection agent, creditors, and a bankruptcy court, and a bankruptcy trustee. Avenatti said Tuesday the government had suppressed key evidence that would prove his innocence. I doubt it. Quote, but if I can be denied that due process as a well-known white guy, imagine what it looks like for people who are disadvantaged or black or brown, he said. I guess at least he recognizes that. And today, in Republicans Can't Tack, a brother of Devin Nunes, that's right, said he had no idea who is funding his lawsuit, the one he filed against political journalist Ryan Lizza. That's according to a deposition excerpt included in a Poorly redacted court filing. Do y'all remember when Manafort's attorney filed some shit on the court docket and just redacted it by highlighting lines in black, and we just picked those up and copied them and pasted them and pasted them into a new document, removing the lines, and we were able to read everything that was underneath? Yeah. Well, they're at it again. <laughs> the comment from Anthony Nunez III, by the way, saying he had no idea who's funding Nunez's lawsuit. Um, Anthony the III, this is the congressman's brother. And since he's the third, he's clearly the favorite in the family, right? He's the first. Uh, well, he's the third, but he's the one who got the honorific. Anyway, he was included in a legal brief filed in federal court Monday by lawyers representing Lizza and Hearst magazines. Hearst published in Esquire one of their articles by Lizza in 2018. It suggested the Nunez family dairy farm employed undocumented immigrants, even as the congressman advocated for, you know, restrictive immigration policy. Insider was able to read redacted testimony from the filing by simply copying and pasting the redactions. When asked who's funding the lawyers for the lawsuit, Anthony Nunez III answered, "I have no idea." According to a redacted segment, in other failed redactions, lawyers for Hearst and Lizza wrote that members of the Nunez family paid just $500 to their attorneys for the lawsuit. Ooh, that means it's a thing of value. Ooh, that means you're supposed to report it with the House Ethics Committee. Ooh, he totally didn't do that. Ooh, he's breaking the rules. Not that that means you go to jail or anything. Quote, plaintiff's apparent lack of investment in prosecuting their own lawsuit was buttressed by their deposition testimony, admitting they have not incurred out-of-pocket payments to counsel, with the exception of paying $500 to former local counsel, Joe Feller. That's from a quote-unquote redacted section. The lawsuit was filed in January 2020 by the family farm called New Star Farms LLC, as well as two members of the Nunez family who manage the farm, Anthony Nunez Jr., the congressman's father, and Anthony Nunes III, Rep. Nunez himself is not party to the case. The plaintiffs accused Liza and Hurst of defamation, claiming the Esquire article was a hit piece designed to undermine the California congressman's political prospects and demanding $25 million in damages. Lawyers for Hurst and Liza who now writes for Politico, asked U.S. District Judge C.J. Williams to dismiss the case, arguing the defamation lawsuit was too vague and that the Esquire article was accurate. But Williams, an appointee of former President Donald Trump, allowed parts of an amended version of the lawsuit to proceed in a September 2020 order. (laughs) Nunes and members of his family sat for depositions in the lawsuit in July and August, just this month and last month. That's according to the court filings from Insider that were badly redacted. Insider was unable to review excerpts from those depositions, which were sealed on the case docket and also filed to court Monday. So those were just under seal. So those <laughs> if they were redacted, we wouldn't be able to get to them. Attorneys for Nunez's family, Liza and Hearst, didn't respond for comment. Neither did Devin Nunez. As we know, Nunes has filed multiple lawsuits against media organizations, few of which have been successful. His lawsuits against the, against Washington Post, CNN, and the Fresno Bee have been dismissed or suffered setbacks. In 2020, a judge dismissed a lawsuit he filed against Twitter when he went after Devin's cow. And I think Devin's mom. <laughs> Monday's filing sought to compel the Nunes family member's attorney to turn over information about who was funding the lawsuit. Rep. Nunes himself sat for a deposition in the case August 10th. In it, he regaled about the libel strategy he and attorney Stephen Biss employ in a nationwide assault on journalists and media organizations. That's according to the lawyers. Quote, now my policy is, and I have a new policy, that if you defame or slander me, I take you to court. Nunez said in the deposition, according to the improperly redacted section of the filing. Hearst and Lizza have suggested that Rep. Nunez is bankrolling the case because he's upset that his own lawsuit over the Esquire article was dismissed. In redacted segments of the brief, a lawyer for Hurst and Lizza say Nunez family members testified that they had little involvement with the lawsuit and they haven't paid Biss, who's representing them in the case. Quote, plaintiffs admit making no payments to Biss for his services in this lawsuit. And presumably BIS does not work for free. Hearst and Liz's lawyers wrote. This prompts the question of whether the plaintiffs are the real party in interest, particularly if they don't stand to materially benefit from the outcome. Rep Nunes' brother even testified he wasn't interested in winning money from the case, the lawyers argue, citing the deposition. For instance, Anthony Nunes III testified at his deposition that he is not interested in winning any money in the lawsuit, yet the complaint seeks, in boldface type, $25 (laughs) Republicans can't tack, and now we can read their depositions, or at least parts of them. All right, it's time for a little schadenfreude. Schadenfreude! All right, today's schadenfreude is brought to you by the Federal Communications Commission, and I quote, The FCC today proposed a $5,134,500 fine against John M. Berkman, Jacob Alexander Wool, and J.M. Berkman & Associates, LLC, for apparently making 1,141 unlawful robocalls to wireless phones without prior express consent in violation of the Telephone Consumer Protection Act. This is the largest Telephone Consumer Protection Act robocall fine ever proposed by the commission. It is also the first action where the FCC was not required to warn robocallers before robocall violations would be counted toward a proposed fine. That's per Congress's recent amendment of the TCPA. Cool. The FCC's Enforcement Bureau investigation found that the calls in this case were apparently pre-recorded and made to consumers' wireless phones without the required prior consent. Subject to narrow exceptions, the TCPA prohibits making pre-recorded voice calls to wireless phones without the consent of those receiving the calls, regardless of the content." The robocalls in this case, made on August 26th and September 14, 2020, used messages telling potential voters that if they vote by mail, their personal information will be part of a public database that will be used by police departments to track down old warrants and be used by credit card companies to collect outstanding debts. The commission began its investigation following consumer complaints and concerns raised by nonprofit organizations. The enforcement bureau worked with the Ohio Attorney General's office to identify two dialing service providers that provided subpoena responses, confirming the robocalls, campaigns, and identifying the clients who had hired them for this service. That's Wollum Berkman. The bureau used the subpoenaed call records and recording of the calls to determine that the calls apparently went to wireless phones and that the messages were pre-recorded. Really fucking stupid. Jacob Wool and Jack Berkman, just so easily traceable to you and your mom's basement. The consumers who agreed to speak with the Bureau about the calls confirmed. They had not provided prior consent to the callers. The subpoena has also produced email exchanges between the dialing service vendors and Wool and Berkman about the call campaigns, including choosing which zip codes to target and, quote, the tape we want to go out. The calls themselves identify Wool and Berkman by name and used Berkman's wireless fucking phone number as the caller ID. <laughs> well, and Berkman also both admitted under oath to their involvement in the creation and distribution of the robocalls, with Berkman stating in the U.S. District Court for the Southern District of New York that that is our call. Yes, yes. The Polone Thune Telephone Robocall Abuse Criminal Enforcement and Deterrence Act. That's, again, the Polone Thune Telephone Robocall Abuse Criminal Enforcement and Deterrence Act, uh, abbreviation, TRACED. That act of 2019 amended the TCPA so as to make inapplicable a provision of the law that previously required the commission to issue citations to non FCC regulated parties that violated TCPA. These citation requirements did not apply to the Truth and Caller ID Act, which established a caller ID spoofing limit and under which the agency had issued numerous large fines. So they just amended that in 2019. Go Democrats. The proposed action, formally called a Notice of Apparent Liability for Forfeiture, contains only allegations that advise the party on how it apparently violated the law and may set forth proposed monetary penalty. The commission may not impose a greater monetary penalty in the case than the amount proposed in the NAL. Neither the allegations nor the proposed sanctions in the NAL are final. Um, they're not final. And these parties will be given the opportunity to respond, and the commission will consider the party's submission of evidence and legal arguments. There are none. This is so black and white and cut and dry and illegal. <laughs> but they'll they'll consider it. And maybe maybe Berkman will show up with his fly down. <laughs> Alright, are you ready for some sabotage? All right, this is a good one. Our friend Igor Fruman, former associate of Rudy Giuliani, who worked to collect damaging information about Joe Biden before he became president, is now expected to plead guilty in a campaign finance case on September 10th. It was supposed to be October 25th. It got pushed back to September 10th. I wonder why. The change was made. I'll tell you why. Don't worry. Just stick with me. The change was made at the request of Fruman's lawyers, Manhattan Federal Court records Show. No reason was given. I think I know. Fruman, born in Belarus, co-defendant of Lev Parnas of the Parnas and Fruman show. Parnas is a Ukraine-born businessman, obviously, previously pleaded not guilty to charges, including they concealed $325,000 at one donation to support Trump in 2020. Giuliani, former personal lawyer to Trump, has not been charged yet, and he's denied any wrongdoing. His lawyer said Monday that Fruman's plea would have no effect on Rudy Giuliani. (laughs) hmm. And yes, a superseding indictment was filed this past week on both Parnas and Kukushkin, but there were no new charges or no new discovery. They were just clerical changes. They changed like we're now changing count four to count one. We're changing count five to count two. They're identical. There's no additional discovery. A letter was written to the judge. Nothing of substance here. But a reminder, I am not a lawyer. However, The guilty plea definitely has an impact on my fantasy indictment draft, the guilty plea of Fruman. And more sabotage. In a story breaking late on Friday, Kalludi Rudy told NBC New York that the FBI wants text messages of his and emails dating back to 1995. Despite the Select Committee on the Insurrection demanding documents from hundreds of people, including Rudy, this is apparently... And actually, about the Southern District of New York investigation into Rudy that's been going on since 2019 regarding his lobbying work with Ukraine to fabricate dirt on Biden for Trump to interfere in the 2020 election. Think about the Biden laptop, right? That operation. That was a Furtash. That was a Dmitry Furtash operation, the same guy that funded fraud guarantee, Dmitry Furtash, where Rudy, Fruman, Parnas, Tonzig, and DeGeneva all worked. Interesting that the prosecutors superseded Parnas and Kukushkin's illegal campaign contribution charges this week. Right after we learned Fruman was changing his plea, then Fruman pushes his plea back a couple weeks, and then all of a sudden Rudy's mad about the FBI wanting his text messages. Oh, and we got an update from Barbara Jones, the special master. So this is a dispute in the Rudy case. Same special master, by the way, as Cohen, Uh, Her job is to go through all of the seized Rudy materials, which I call the Rudy Booty, and determine what is privileged. In an updated filing marked August 18th, Barbara says to the court there is a dispute between Mr. Giuliani and the government over whether the special master's review process should be limited to materials with electronic metadata within the date range set forth in the search warrant. I have informed the parties that these issues should be briefed to and decided by the court, and that I would set a briefing schedule for Giuliani's motion. In order to ensure an efficient review process, I believe that the issue should be briefed expeditiously. I therefore order the following briefing schedule. And I'll give you the briefing schedule here in a minute. But what she's saying is, hey, we've seized the Rudy booty, and this shit goes back to 1995. I'm just going through all of it. But Rudy says, no, you should only go through the stuff that's in the date range in the warrant. Which... I mean that's not a totally unreasonable request, however, as we know, schemes that go back years and years that continue on and on, for example, the tax scheme at the Trump Organization with Weiselberg, you know it's outs you know the earliest crimes were outside of the statute of limitations, but the statute of limitations doesn't start. The clock doesn't start until you stop that scheme till you stop criming in that particular scheme so these some of these nineteen ninety five emails might be relevant. I don't know. Who knows? But the court's going to decide. And Barbara Jones has set an August 27th deadline that passed just this past Friday for the filing of the motion by Giuliani, September 3rd for the government's opposition, September 8th for Giuliani's reply, if necessary. We'll brief you when that government opposition comes out. So I imagine the filing of the motion for Giuliani to argue the date range uh, of the materials to be reviewed. That could be maybe what triggered Rudy to publicly complain about what the FBI was asking for, though I have no proof they're related. Just seems reasonable to assume since the day his motion is due to argue his date range with the special master in the investigation into him in the Southern District of New York is the same day he bitches publicly about having to send his text messages and emails going back to 1995. But it could also be what he got from the January 6th Select Committee, but my beans are on uh, on Southern District, and I think that that's been shown in public reporting too. But anyway, again, I have no proof. It just seems reasonable to assume. So there's a privilege dispute on the Rudy Booty, then Fruman pleads guilty, then Fruman's guilty plea gets pushed back a couple weeks, then there's a language update in the Parnas and Kukushkin indictment, And now Rudy's publicly complaining about what the FBI wants, all within the same week. There's no wonder there were rumors going around that security was going to be tightened last Friday at the Southern District of New York. We didn't see any indictments drop. That doesn't mean stuff didn't go down. But again, that was rumors intelligence. That was was somebody with a source inside, um, and that's a a non-corroborated story. I couldn't corroborate it either. But something's happening. That's a lot of stuff right around the Southern District of New York Rudy case, isn't it? With all that in mind, let's play the Fantasy Indictment League. I'm going to be indicted. No, it is going to be okay. Indicted. Honey, dick. Indicted. Honey. I'm going to be indicted. Oh, They can't. It's going to be okay. Just calm down. I can't
0: calm down. I'm going to be indicted.
1: First up, we have an indictment this week. It's not really related directly to the Mueller case, but Trump associate. Kawaja has been hit with an additional charge in Massachusetts with conspiring to deceive banks and credit card companies into processing payments on behalf of merchants involved in prohibited businesses, including online gambling, debt collection, debt reduction, prescription drugs, and payday lending. If Kawaja sounds familiar, I drafted him to my fantasy indictment bench years ago when he was charged for being the middleman. Uh, for um, foreign illegal campaign contributions made by George Nader, right? So Kawaja was the guy who set up the payments, split them up into tiny payments so that nobody would see it. And that's why there were millions of dollars of, of, of campaign contributions made by George Nader in the, in the amount of $2.86, $2.32. For example, these contributions went to Hillary Clinton and some went to Bernie Sanders as well for $18.96, etc. So... That was in that case. The Trump contributions are still being investigated, and I'm sure Kawaja arranged those payments too. He's actually come forward and said, I have so much to tell you. Well, anyway, he's he's been supersedingly indicted. Um, he was also in indi- oh, and George Nader, in case you forget him, he's the Trump associate who's who was also indicted on child pornography charges. Just some of the absolute most despicable, disgusting child pornography um, trafficking that the, the pornography itself uh, videos just awful. Uh, but, you know, only the best people for Donald. Anyway, it's interesting that Tom Barrick was recently indicted as an unregistered foreign agent with the United Arab Emirates. And we know that was under Section 951, not the not the normal Fara, but 951, which is called Espionage Light. It's it's much more severe than a regular Fara. Five year. This he could he could face up to 20 years for this for 951. That was Barrick, and Kawaja was the payment man for Nader, who was funneling UAE money to candidates in the states. They're related. They have to be. That's beans. I don't have, you know. You know what I mean. But both are still under investigation for illegal Trump donations. And now this Kawaja indictment drops for a similar scheme, but unrelated to the the one we've been waiting for. So given the recent news, I am changing my own rules and I am drafting a team of 10 today. (laughs) I'm adding a Fruman cooperation deal. And I think we'll get that on the 10th of September beans. I've never called a date out before, right? Like Babe Ruth pointing to where he's going to hit his home run. I'm calling it the 10th Fruman cooperation deal, September, a Rudy indictment. I know it's soon. It's probably too soon, especially since this dispute won't even be settled until September 8th. But remember, Barbara Jones, special master, is handing over evidence on a rolling basis. This isn't a situation where she's reviewing all of the Rudy booty and then handing it over to the government. She's reviewing it and shit that she finds that can't be covered by attorney client privilege, which includes criming because of the crime fraud exception. You can't be you can't, you know, and third party exceptions. Anyway, she's turning that over on a rolling basis. And she has been since appointed special master. So I'm going to put Rudy on here. I'm keeping Matt Gates. Uh, he should have been indicted in August. So I'm guessing now it's probably can be concluded uh, that because Joel Greenberg pushed back his sentencing from August to October, he needed three more months to tell everything he needed to tell, that there's more going on. However, we did just, you know, get that new news about Rodriguez pleading guilty in the Sham Artiles um, case where the you know the the Republican won by thirty two votes because the Republicans paid a sham candidate guy who's had the same name as the Democrat to run as a, a non party affiliated sent out one hundred eighty thousand dollars in mailers and paid the guy forty four thousand dollars he's cooperating ooh, ooh that's bad news for Gates and I think that's part of Joel Greenberg's ongoing helpful proffer personally that's what I think again just beans but anyway that i think this might put push back matt gates and and i have to tell you if it's being pushed back if the if the original charging decision was supposed to be made in july and august and it's not now and we're getting new information about these sham candidates there was uh, in in the story about rodriguez they talked about this being connected to higher level central florida republicans i have to believe that it's not just sex trafficking a minor. They would have nabbed him by now if that was it, if it was just the Venmo stuff. Do you know what I mean? And now we're seeing cooperators, including Rodriguez, in the sham candidate scheme. I think Matt Gates is involved in that. So Bean's on that, and I'm putting him back on the Fantasy Indictment League. Actually, I don't think he ever left. I'm also asking for a calamari plea agreement. In the Trump Organization case in the Manhattan District Attorney's Office, along with a McCony official plea agreement. I don't think we've seen one. It probably already exists. I could be wrong. Correct me if I'm wrong. Send me a correction. Uh, I'd like to then add Ingersoll and Jacob Engels, both out of Matt Gates Greenberg world. And then a superseding George Nader indictment because of what's going on here with the UAE stuff for the Trump campaign stuff and, and possibly Kowaja as well. Um, but I also think there'll be a Tom Barrack plea agreement. I have rumors intelligence that Tom Barrack is, is singing like a bird. Might have something to do with the Kawaja stuff. I, I don't know. Too many, too many dots to connect. Anyway, yeah, that's my final pick as a Kowaja superseding indictment or possible plea agreement. He seems like he wants to help. But since I'm splitting the difference here that Kawaja could have a superseding indictment or a plea agreement. I'll take half points for either one. And those are my picks. If you want to share your picks, feel free to start a post on our Patreon Facebook group. I would love to hear your draft choices or on our discord. I'm sure we have a channel for fantasy indictment league. If not somebody do that. And that is our show for this week. We are off next week, but we will be back with Muller She Wrote and the MSW Book Club September 12th. Thanks for letting me take a week off, everybody. Until then, please take care of yourselves, take care of each other, take care of the planet, and take care of your mental health. I've been Allison Gill, and this is Muller She Wrote.